Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 12th of July, 2015. This last week here in Ontario, where I am, in northern Ontario, it's actually had some summer. Isn't that incredible? Some summer. Not totally summer. We haven't had a real good summer for an awful long time now. Actually, some of 2006 maybe. It started really going down the tubes as the spraying got heavier and heavier from the, the aerosols and the chem sprays and so on and the manipulation of the jet streams. So we, we, we're really going through tremendous changes, of course. It's weather manipulation because even that old article from years ago where the U.S. Air Force admitted that they were doing all this kind of thing to manipulate and control weather, they said that eventually con- totally control and own the weather. That was a big, big article at the time. And guess what? It's all here. But it's not just the U.S. It's all the countries that are participating in this massive spring uh, program. It's been going on now since, two, well, steadily and pretty well daily since 1998. And like all big, big projects, which are unbelievable to most folk, who the, the, the folk who believe is unbelievable, is <laughs> because they truly do believe the media is there as, a, as a, an appendage to their brain to do their thinking and reasoning for them. They really believe that. And therefore, the media would tell them if something to worry about was happening above their heads. And if the media doesn't say anything, then they think it must be crazy talk, you see. They'll deny their own eyes at times. But as I say, for the last week, it's been pretty good. Before that, it was lots and lots of rain. And uh, even even almost down to frost uh, during June, quite a few nights in June. And people still have their heating on uh, in June. And I've had it on here too. At nights, as it's hit two or three degrees sometimes above freezing. For that's that's June. That's, this is the middle of summer. So anyway, uh, I understand as well from various articles that in the U.S., uh, some of the breadbasket countries have been getting flooded with perpetual rain, which again is weather manipulation. And we've had the same in some of the parts of of Canada as well. On the west coast, in a straight line, almost right up through California into British Columbia, you have this dividing line between the, the rainy areas on the right, or your east side, and on the west side, you've got uh, these, these incredible hot areas. It's because they're diverting all the clouds away from them, of course. And again, superheating the atmosphere brings on lots of lightning, and they've got forest fires going as well. Quite an interesting scenario. Remember, all this technology to do with weather control and manipulation was all done through the military. That's where all the the research and development went through because it was designed initially for warfare purposes. And remember, too, you can easily put a country under by either economic means or else simply destroy this agricultural base for a year or two years in a row and starve the people out. But then again, too, you can also achieve other objectives such as Agenda 21 by getting the folk off of the rural areas and into the planned designated corridors we're supposed to all be crammed into. So that's where we are right now, of course. But this last week has been quite amazing. And sure enough, the deer flies are out there. It's amazing the deer flies, they get to know you, you know. I've noticed that after generations of sucking my blood, we're kind of related and um, they, they get outside there yelling my name all the time. You know, you find at night too, the mosquitoes are all outside the fly screens and, uh, and, and masses of them. You know, we want your blood. 
Come out, Alan, we want your blood. And it's quite an amazing uh, thing to experience that. But anyway, how, how long this weather will last here, I don't know, probably not too long. And I've got so much to do outside, it's just incredible, especially when the vehicle I've got, I just had to put a new alternator in. And the alternators are reconditioned, and they're about 270 bucks. And not so long ago, they were about 75 with a trade-in for a reconditioned alternator. But everything now is, we live in the age of greed, and maximized greed, of course. And that's why everything is so incredibly expensive. Plus, your currency, because of the, it's based on nothing, constantly gets devalued all the time. In fact, I, I read somewhere today that the British pound, compared to 1902 or something, maybe even 20, uh, the, the value of it today was only about um, five new pence of what it was worth back then. In other words, we've lost 95% of its purchasing power, that one pound. And the US dollar is much the same, Canada, I'm sure, is the same. So what's the point? If, even if you can save any money at all, there's no point in putting the bank or anywhere else for that matter because by the time you get it out in years' time uh, or even your retirement funds and so on, the dollars you put in are only worth a few cents each. Uh, and per- actual real purchasing power. Everything's a racket in this world, isn't it? It's a con job. And uh, it's well designed as a con job by the best con men in the world. They've been at this for thousands of years. There's old, old families, you know, been running the moneyed interests of the world for years and years, centuries and centuries and centuries, thousands. And they've learned every trick in the book, and they simply repeat the same cons over and over, and create bubbles and collapse it all, and they, and they end up with all the benefits as everybody goes under. Things like that happens all the time. And of course, they, they run the system you're in. The whole system is there, as you understand. The whole system that you think is your life and everything is familiar to you, that's all designed by them, including what you think about and what you won't be told to think about. And information you'll never even get a hold of because it's all secret. All real news today is secret, you see, or national security, etc. But meanwhile, you're an open book. By law, you've got to be an open book because they want to know everything about every single one of us. It's kind of like farmers. I've met farmers in cattle industries and so on, and and even the pig industry in different countries. And, and literally, those guys are really into getting the best breed for for the, the area they live in and disease resistant and all this. And they can tell who the parents of this one were and all the rest of it, and grandparents and great grandparents of this particular animal happens to be. And that's that's what farmers do. Well, we're farmed that way, you see. Just the same way. And they, they know all about your DNA, any what they call faulty genes, and this family's prone to that, and the mixture of that dad with that mother creates the offspring that could be prone to this, blah, blah, blah. And they have you all rated for performance and earning power for them. Because they take most of it off you, you see, through various schemes. And they train you that it's normal too. It's quite incredible that, isn't it? They actually train you that all that's normal. Well, they live in a, in a lifestyle you, you cannot even imagine. You can really, it's too far from your, your reality to imagine how they actually live at the top. As I see, when I'm out there putting that ridiculous uh, alternator on, purposely designed uh, so that even the bolts that come out of it bash in to these fixed pipes, steel pipes, so you can't get the last bolt out, which is underneath the darn thing, 
they're purposely, it's called smart engineering. See, the big boys who own everything make sure, uh, and they've been doing their best, there's more work goes into making it impossible to fix your own vehicles now than actually goes into designing the thing to be a good vehicle. I'm not kidding, because the marketers work and the economists work with the engineers to build in all the flaws to get aftermarket sales of different parts. You know, you sell this product within the first 10 if it lasts 10 years, which they hope it doesn't, then how many times will this fail, that fail, and, that, and how much money will we make off it? Okay, build in that flaw. Right down pretty well to the actual year is going to fail, and even the month is going to fail. They know exactly through all this incredible testing that they do. I used to wonder when I was small why they did all this testing to see how many times that shock absorber is going to go up and down before it packs in. And they can tell down pretty well to the last couple of hundred ups and downs when it will pack in. Why was that? Was it to make a better shock absorber? No. It was so that they can say, okay, that vehicle is going to earn us X amount of bucks in all the sales in its lifetime for replacement parts of that particular part. And now the way they've designed them with smart engineering is so that it's almost impossible to get into any part to fix anything at all. So no sooner got this alternator in, and then the power steering pump uh, line bust on me. Bust on me. Just like that. And I looked at it, way down in the bottom, of course, and the steel part of it was all rusted through, clamped to a steel frame, Rusty steel frame. That, that's the beauty of it. Have you noticed that, you guys that work on your, your vehicles? You'll know what I'm talking about. See, many years ago, they knew exactly how to... That you don't put metal to metal. Uh, it, it, down at the bottom of a car especially, especially in countries where you get lots of salt and all that, in the winter time, you don't do that unless you want it to rust, which they do. And... Again, most of the, the owners of cars now will just take them right into the dealer who, who's equipping with the special tools and all that to get all the stuff off and get into that part to replace it. Costs you a fortune. Smart engineering, you see. Quite amazing. They know how to do things properly if they want to. But it's not, they, they couldn't get the kind of returns and massive profit if they did it that way. And you'll find the more shareholders a company brings in who expect a good return every year, then there's only two ways, two or three ways to do it. Cheapen the material you're using, which they've done. Lay off as many workers as you can or replace them with robots, which they've done. And, and, and um, as I say, they fire a lot of people and lay them off. And also, the as a price. A price of something is an idea that someone comes up with. And you take it as, as like a normal thing, like as gravity or something. No, it's not. It's someone's abstract idea. See what the schmucks will accept. That's how the world runs. But all these shareholders, the top shareholders in the world, have the controlling interest shares and all the top corporations. of It's the same people. And they demand more and more returns every year from their investments, their shares. And so they keep upping up the prices of everything and cheapening the parts and everything else. That's how it all works, you see. And then I thought to myself, after uh, staring at this rusted, uh, weeping fluid uh, line I've got here, I thought, well, it won't matter anyway much longer because 
you see, the end of this year in France, I think it is this time, the culmination of the initial Kyoto Protocol and all the you're to blame, all you folks are to blame for the climate changing, etc., which is all lies, of course, because you're not to blame for it at all. And the big corporations, in fact, that are polluted whatsoever, the guys who are all pushing it. So who's going to benefit from it? Oh, come on, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. But anyway, I thought to myself, once I've signed this deal, your fuel is going to jack up in prices about twice as much as it is already with taxes, you see, energy taxes and pollution taxes and carbon taxes. And everything you you buy for a part is going to go up in price too because they'll also tack on taxes and how much energy and carbon was produced to create this little screw here and all that kind of stuff, you see. You wait and see, folks. They're going to hammer you. And again, Agenda 21 was designed through United Nations by the big international corporations themselves and the boys who own them, who control the money off the planet. Yep. And the sad thing is, too, you can't even go back to the old horse and cart in most places because they wouldn't allow you on the road with it, you see. And then they've even got laws passed through the United Nations, too, that certain animals you can't use anymore for a beast of burden. Oh, we're okay, we're beasts of burden, you see, because you're human. There's no rights to guarantee that you, you won't be used, but they can do that. Their system would collapse if we couldn't be used anymore. But then again, there's never been so many beasts of burden, human ones, that are quite fairly content with getting managed the way that they are. It's interesting, too, that uh, over the years, I've noticed so many folk will grab little things that I do and stuff and run with it. And it makes you wonder, but George Carlin, the comedian, someone has sent me a little clip on him giving a talk about the big club. He says, it's a big club. He says, new ain't in it. And he swears an awful lot, like they all do, of course, but that's, the new, that's been the new normal for quite a long time. But um, he just hit everything on the head, I've been saying, for years and years and years and years. Uh, and lays it on the, on the line for you to understand in a, in a humorous way. I'll put that link up tonight, in fact. You know, back in the 90s, I mentioned that all the, what you think are safety nets and official complaints departments about things don't really exist as you, you've been trained to perceive they exist. They don't really exist at all. And I was on a show back then, uh, and I mentioned that. I said, you know, you think, you, you think they're all there to help you if you need it, but they're not at all. Or, and at least they're not what you thought they were. And I said, it's like giving you lots of tools to say, okay, this is your life. Here's all the tools you might need one day where a crisis might pop up. Here's, here's your, your road pick and here's your shovel, uh, your hammer and all that. And, and that's what they give you, you see. And folk ru- rush to use them when the time comes and you whack that tarmac on the road with that big rubber pick. And you find out all your tools are rubber. They bounce off. You see, that's, that's how it is. And that brings me to this first article here. It's to do with the United Nations. I've gone through the history of the United Nations many times before. And I won't go into it tonight except to say that the big boys who wanted the global system to control for themselves and all their families and so on, uh, a long time ago, I've gone through the history of that, they set up the United Nations. It's a tool of theirs, you see. 
and, and all the NGOs that belong to it and umbrella groups they belong to, etc., under the United Nations are all financed by the front foundations that finance them, etc. The foundations are owned by the big uh, corporations and big banks. So they create what you think are people who speak for you. That's what you think. You're trained to believe that nonsense. So this bunch, anyway, went to the United Nations from Canada to complain about Bill C-51 without knowing that the United Nations is an organization. It's, it's like complaining to the king about what the king's doing to you. What do you expect? Or, or the king's sheriff or something. What do you expect him to say? And um, it says Canadian civil society groups are bringing their challenges to a contentious new anti-terror bill to an international audience, a key UN rights body in Geneva. Opponents of the bill C-51 will use a periodic review of Canada's international rights obligations this week by the UN Human Rights Committee to voice a laundry list of concerns related to the anti-terror legislation and other national security issues. And it goes on to say the Canadian Civil Liberties Association and Amnesty International Canada are amongst the groups that will plead their case before the UN panel. We want to ensure the Human Rights Committee is aware of a fairly long list of serious, uh, uh, I guess, complaints. And we would say worsening human rights concerns, said AIC Secretary General Alex Neve. There's a bundle of issues related to national security even before Bill C-51 came along. Canadian human rights groups have planned the anti-terror bill, which was introduced by the Conservative government earlier this year after two fatal attacks on military personnel in Canada linked to terrorism, including the deadly shooting of Corporal Nathan Carrillo in Ottawa in October by gunman Michael Zahaf Bibou. And it says, the bill increases the powers of Canada's spy agency, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, expands the no-fly list, gives federal law enforcement new powers of preventive arrest, and bans the promotion of terrorism. The federal government argues the measures are necessary to combat the threat posed by terrorism at home and abroad and prevent future attacks. Well, any, it's almost to keep you safe. They can take in, until literally, as well as putting an agent. Oh, they don't have to put an agent in your house to watch you and listen to you and be there all the time. Even when you go to the bathroom, you do all yourself with your electronic gadgets. <laughs> anyway, opponents, however, claim the bill is overly broad, lacks sufficient oversight for national security and law enforcement agencies, and infringes on a series of rights. It's meant to uh, to be overly broad, so they can do whatever they want with it. That, that's what they do with laws. Have you noticed that in your whole? How long have you lived here? How long have you been alive? Uh, haven't you seen this all before and before and before? You know, that's why they're written that way. Since other national security concerns that will be flagged in Geneva include an immigration law that allows the Canadian government to revoke the citizenship of dual citizens convicted of terrorism, treason or spying offences. Canadian government delegation will also have a chance to make a statement and answer questions from the 18-member panel of independent experts during the three-day review process. But since it's the first time in a decade, the UN Committee has had a chance to look at whether Canada is meeting its obligations under the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights when the UN core, UN's core international rights treaties and Canada's one of the 168 countries that are party to the Covenant. Well, nobody in Canada has ever voted for the United Nations because it's not a democratic system. It wasn't intended to be. And they'll come back with a lot of, uh, again, fudgy answers, etc., and nothing happens. Quite simple, really, isn't it? It's quite simple. And 
I've said many times, if you go through the history of the world and all the cons have been pulled with money and the bubbles that are created for the, the ones who are awfully good with numbers. They've got a gene, I think, that makes them awfully good with numbers. And they can see how to utterly confuse the population when they're going to rip you off. And they simply repeat the same cons over and over. That's why they don't change laws when they want to crash banks and that. They want to do it again, you see, in the future. That's why they won't change them. It's quite simple, isn't it? But this article here talks about junk bonds are signaling trouble ahead for Canada. And it says the high-yield bond market, again, high-yield, they want a big return. Bond market is typically a leading indicator of stocks. So when it signals trouble, stocks generally follow their lead. The graph below shows what high-yield credit sectors, junk bonds, have started to weaken in recent weeks with the energy sector leading the drop. And it goes through the usual stuff. I won't prowl on about it because it's awfully boring, as you well know, with the terminology they use, etc., etc. But um, nothing will ever change. Why is there even junk bonds in this day and age when they're so risky, etc.? It's because they want them <laughs> to be used when they, and to plunder you when they want to plunder you. It's quite simple, folks. Or it would be changed and stopped. They'd stop it. And also this article, Ottawa's poised to defend rights records on Aboriginals' terrorism at United Nations Committee, it says here. Canadian Human Rights Commissioners told the UN, again in the United Nations panel, that the plight of Canada's Aboriginal people is one of the country's most urgent civil rights issues. They've been saying that to the United Nations since the, 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 the 50s. And here they are saying it again. Uh, the Commission made that submission to the United Nations uh, Human Rights Committee, which opened its review of Canada's compliance to the International Covenant on Political and Civil Rights on Monday. It's got quite a few uh, links on it, this, this particular article, which I'll put link up for tonight. But it's got a lot of links on it as to what's been happening and who's protesting what and so on. But... Um, it's quite interesting to see uh, the same old prattle about uh, indigenous people who really, I mean, <laughs> nothing changes, folks. Remember, too, what Darwin said, and it's, and it's not just what he said. It's almost like a tenet of what the elite already believed in his era right to the present time, that when a country is invaded or taken over by a superior technologically advanced society... Uh, or peoples, then they will go under and and they will wither and die, basically, because they cannot, especially if they're a, a collectivist-type society, mainly that way, um, then they'll, they'll go under because all their beliefs and meanings are destroyed for them in this strange new world that's now dominating them. And then they start to perish or they'll, they'll start to self-destruct through drugs and booze and, and, and everything else, too. Uh, that's what they're always saying. So, that, in other words, what Darwin said is more like the agenda for all of the peoples who are conquered by those who rule this very ancient monetary system. But um, they go through the different things that are happening within. It's the same old s- stories that be happening in reservations for as long as I can remember because of all the consequences of their whole way of life being destroyed, etc., etc. Then this article 2 
to do with the fires. Another thing that's happening out west right now with the fires, the forest fires, that some of them are apparently they think it might even be an arson. Well, a lot of the land that the Indians sit on in different places too, remember, is really, uh, they want to frack those areas and all the rest of it for what's underneath the soil. Which makes me think about that old, I don't know if if it's a true thing or not, that old Dr. Day talk, uh, he supposedly attended a high-level meeting about the future in the 1960s, and he tried to remember what they'd been talking about and so on. A lot of it didn't make sense, supposedly, at the time, and he passed this information on to another doctor who eventually put it out on uh, he, he put it out in paper, or else he talked about it in audio, at least. But he did, they did say that folk who wouldn't move off areas, even for before it was called Agenda 21, for instance, to the public, folk who wouldn't move off areas and move into the cities, etc., would be burned off. I mean, that's what I always think of when I hear about these forest fires, etc., and where they're located. But anyway, as the Saskatchewan First Nation sets, sets up a Res Cross, instead <laughs> of Red Cross, Welfare Evacuation Centre. This is as the First Nations the Indian Reserve. This is a First Nations reserve in the middle of Saskatchewan has opened its own welfare evacuation centre, one that's not being run by the Red Cross. Over the past three weeks, thousands of evacuees, many of them Aboriginal people, have been forced to leave their homes in northern communities. Most of them have been staying at Red Cross emergency shelters in Regina, Saskatoon and Prince Albert. And... Um, Hundreds from the uh, Larong area have also been bussed to Cold Lake, uh, Alberta, which is about 650 kilometres to the west. And it says, and they also put them in a hockey arena. It's the same things they did, and interesting that too, that was all part of the strategies that they came out with in the 90s for all kinds of emergencies, just getting into hockey arenas like they did down in Louisiana at that time with the flooding, and etc., etc. Anyway, the Indians have opened up their own version of the Red Cross for themselves, and uh, they call it the the, uh, the Res Cross. <laughs> it says, uh, the band, Indian band, has set up their shelter at Beardy's Memorial Arena off Highway 11, but eight kilometres west of Duck Lake, Saskatchewan. They've been certified by the Prince Albert Grand Council to function as an official evacuation centre. So they're, they're trying to do it for themselves, so they can all stay together. They, they know darn well if they all get split up eventually before the thing ends rebuilt or things might not even get rebuilt, that's another big thing too, then uh, you split them all up, disperse them all, then they won't have the power as a voice that they have at the moment. They're well aware of that, so they're trying to stay together and they're trying to stay out, out of the big cities uh, and stay in the country areas and other areas. It's, it's quite something, isn't it, really? And then another article, too, from the CBC, was the Saskatchewan welfares could burn until the fall or even until it snows. Now, this has happened before out, especially in British Columbia and the West Coast, but uh, which has also got fires going. Uh, remember the last big ones they had out in British Columbia? And they did admit about a year afterwards, when it was still going, by the way, massive fire went all the way down in the U.S., that it had been started as a control burn with cooperation of the Canadian government agencies and the U.S. ones to the south of them, and it got out of hand. It burned for years. 
and even during the winter time, that the, the ground apparently stayed so hot from the fires uh, that there were glowing embers under the, the snow and under the ground that burst into flame again come the next summer. It was quite something else, but uh, never take things uh, as it's presented to you, because of course now, of course, they'll use uh, oh, it's global warming. It's human created, you see. Well, it's human to create to an extent with the with the weather manipulation and control and the superheating the atmosphere with the harp technologies that they're using all over the place now. So technically, it's man made, yeah, but it's not the general population that's making. It. In fact, most of them don't even know what's happening. They think they're told that it's all their fault that's happening. Everything is used for the one agenda, isn't it? Everything that happens. They'll get these little phrases in there to make sure that you you relate it, whatever it is, to the one agenda. You see. Then another article, too, about that is to do with uh, the forest fires. And this one here says, uh, BC's Forest Fire Service has failed the province. Uh, apparently what they did, too, is they started uh, mothballing the big uh, aircraft that scooped up the water and dumped it, massive amounts of water on forest fires, and they put the money into these smaller planes, which can't cope which, of course, I'm sure is not a mistake either. But it says, um, we all know that the ridiculous loss of Dog Mountain, uh, late response, too little too late. The Martin Mars, that's the big aircraft, has apparently been contracted for one month, he says. Maybe another month, if, if needed, who really knows? Meanwhile, the loss of homes and animals in B.C., British Columbia's forests, even a, a, a life loss so far. There's folk getting burned off their land all over the place out there. So it falls in with that old days thing. I said, I don't know if the days things was true or not. I'm very sceptical of things that are, come down through three or four different mouths or generations before something puts it into any factual uh, or readable uh, format. So it's hard to tell, but but certainly it was pretty well on the on the mark to do with uh, how we get folk off the land, plus inoculations and the introduction of various cancer viruses and, and, and so on, like they did with the polio virus. So, you know, you always use an open bind. Don't, don't, don't just jump on things and say, okay, that's the proof of it right there. You don't know. But the fact is, uh, it is definitely a, a technique. And it's been a, a technique burning folk off the lands to grab it is, is a very old technique in history. Even by gold prospectors, big corporations and things. Very old technique, you know. This article two is to do with. Uh, it's interesting because I'd read a while back about for the last few years in Australia, they were they've been getting flooded with uh, people from China, mainland China, uh, coming in and uh, big bags of cash, and I mean cash. I saw that in Toronto years ago, uh, and try to buy folks' homes. You know, uh, literally, you know, they had briefcases full of cash. And they go around the doors in Toronto, where I was living at the time. It was astonishing. But uh, they were doing it in, in Vancouver, you know. Uh, and it says that how skyrocketing Vancouver home prices are fueling anger towards foreign buyers. I think it's Chinese at the top, and then there's India, from India, second. And uh, it was interesting, too. I know it was many years ago, long before... They'd official, made the official passes or passed the laws for the free trade with China after they'd set China up and even trained all their engineers to go back home and build them factories for the free trade agreements so they could export all the stuff to Canada and the States and so on. 
the, the, there was masses of immigrants coming in from China along the West Coast. And I thought, well, that's for the future. There's a reason for that. Well, they're the middlemen now, a lot of them, uh, to deal with China and trade towards Canada back and forth, you see. So they're the kind of managerial class. All planned years. You understand you're living in a massive business plan, a very old one, and meticulously planned a long time ago. But anyway, uh, as I say, uh, where, where they moved in, it's just like Australia, uh, Vancouver, and Canada, because uh, the real estate guys get on the act and they, they jack up the prices, knowing that these guys are coming in, have the big money to pay for them. But the folk who've been born there and raised there can't afford houses at all because the ridiculous uh, bubbles are creating by uh, the various market and homes and so on. A recent poll found that two-thirds of metropolitan Vancouver residents believe foreigners investing or, or is a main cause of high housing costs. Foreigners investing, I mean foreign investing, should be, I would think so, is a main cause of high housing costs, and 70% said the government should work to improve affordability. Well, good luck to you. And it says, after years of watching Vancouver housing prices climb, driven in part by Chinese investment, uh, Evelyn Zia, she's from mainland China herself, uh, came to a painful realization. She was born in Canada, though. Despite uh, having a master's degree and a solid career prospect, she might never be able to afford a home in the city where she grew up. Says demand for luxury homes in Vancouver is so high, shoppers are willing to pay a premium for homes that already have buyers, even paying up to half a million dollars or more than the winning bid. Half a million more than the bid. You can't compete with that. Can't do it, can you? And it goes on to say here, that didn't seem right, and so the 29-year-old grabbed the marking pen and hand-lettered a sign listing her credentials, snapped a selfie, and posted it to Twitter under the hashtag don't have one million. Uh, the tweet went viral, and hundreds of other young Vancouver residents soon began expressing their own frustrations in tweets about the red-hot housing market and the feverish foreign investment they believe has fueled it. Average hard-working Canadian residents are being forced to compete for housing with the global wealthy, said Zaya, or Zia, who immigrated to Canada from China as a child. So she was, she was mainland Chinese. People here are getting angry. Actually, there's sacks of streets in Vancouver where nothing's written in English. It's all in Chinese. <laughs> anyway, it says anger has contributed to a simmering xenophobia in Vancouver, a multicultural coastal city long known for its, its inclusiveness, with virtually no official data on foreign buyers available. Many of those squeezed out of the market are left to believe the worst. That has residents like Zaya pressing the government to track the international buyers, scrutinize the source of their funds and tax property speculation before the anti-Chinese sentiment gets out of hand. Last summer, a small anti-immigration group covered up Chinese symbols on real estate signs in the affluent suburb of West Vancouver with stickers reading, Please Respect Canada's Official Languages. Well, that's never going to happen. This is, and police are investigating an incidents on neighbouring Vancouver Island where anti-Chinese pamphlets appeared in affluent neighbourhoods and signs for Chinese real estate agents were defaced with racial epithets and messages like, Go Home and Not Welcome. Recent poll found that two-thirds of metropolitan Vancouver residents believe foreigners in, in investing in, in the, the market is a main cause of high housing costs, and 70% said the government should work to improve affordability. Well, you can talk all you want, but it ain't going to happen. It's not meant to.
And then here's another thing too, with all these forest fires, you see, this is Australian, New Zealand uh, crews, firefighting crews, joint efforts to battle Canadian forest fires. Reinforcements from as far away as Australia and New Zealand have been recruited to fight hundreds of forest fires in British Columbia, Alberta, and Saskatchewan. That's a massive area, folks. And it says, Defence Ministry Jason Kennedy says 600 soldiers from Edmonton have been deployed to help fight welfares in northern Saskatchewan. Kennedy says protecting civilians from natural disasters is a function of the armed forces. Well, it is nowadays. A wildfire blaze. They show you the different wildfire pictures and so on. And it says, All available crews have been committed to fight against British Columbia's burning forests, a situation that has forced officials to triage to triage call in reinforcements as far away as Australia. And Tuesday, 184 fires were burning across BC, engaging more than 1,000 personnel and triggering evacuation orders and alerts, as well as air quality advisories. And it says, Curtis Icefield of the BC Welfare Service said 23 of those fires had broken out Monday, and the ministry predicts 30 new welfares will start every day as dry conditions grow more acute. The availability of resources is at a critical level, and any significant increase in fire load will be difficult for us to manage, he said. So they're bringing in people all over the place to fight the fires. He said all the services available crews are engaged around the province, including 622 uh, private contractors. Government has already spent more than $90 million this season fighting the fires, well over the $63 million set aside in the budget. And, and, and so they're bringing them in from Australia, New Zealand, and everywhere else, it says here. But there's more to it than that. You see, this is all to do again with the free trade deals and the movement of labor across borders. And they're bringing lots of them in from outside. Well, there's still contractors and so on in Canada that are not getting the work. Here's an article here, the next one. Some firefighters are upset over Mexican crews joining Alberta wildfire battle. Contract firefighting companies in Alberta say they're upset with the government for enlisting the help of Mexican firefighters instead of themselves in the province's wildfire outbreak. On Wednesday, 62 firefighters from the Mexican state of Jalisco arrived in Edmonton. They will soon join the other 1,700 firefighters from across Canada, battling more than 90 wildfires in northern Alberta. For most of the guys, this is their passion to fight fires. And what better way to do it than in another country and help others, said Hector uh, Drejo, one of the Mexican firefighters. But local fire safety companies say they should have been called upon first. The guys who are situated in that province should get the work, obviously. It's just sad that the government doesn't utilize the service that's here and employs a lot of people locally, said Greg Gallas of Bravo Oilfield Safety Services. Chris Livam of Arctic Fire Safety Services said companies like his are ready to work with the government to put these fires out and should have been called upon to help. Livam and Gallas are both part of a network of private companies in Alberta that are contracted to ensure fire safety during industrial operations, mainly in the oil industry. But welfare officials say the work was outsourced to ensure certain firefighting standards. <laughs> do you ever get truth on anything anymore? Do you? I mean, do you really? I mean, you know. It's astonishing to bring up a society be and train them to be utterly naive 
and to believe what's told from from the top to them, it's. I mean, don't forget that public relations, technically, really, is another name for lying. It was called propaganda before that, and it's always swaying uh, what you want to say in your favour. But and it's generally done by omitting other factors, so you're not getting the whole truth on anything. So it's it's a it's a legal way of deceit. And and all these uh, government and all every other agencies now and big corporations all have public relations executives trained in and better ways of of being deceitful, you know. And news is always full of it. Pretty well every day you can find articles like that. But it says here, we don't use volunteer firefighters because we, we have to have a certain le- level of training, <laughs> said Jeffrey Driscoll, a welfare information officer. So there you go. I mean, you got, uh, one's coming in from Australia, New Zealand and Mexico and everything else, but they won't employ the guys locally who have no doubt done it all before. Quite something, though, isn't it? I mean, you've you got to really kind of laugh at times about even boring to read this rubbish because, I mean, the, the, the amount of deception and everything uh, from official sources is perfected. As I say, it's a profession now. Public relations is a profession in deceit, isn't it? It was all about the new form of advertising. That's where the initial propaganda was used. Long ago, of course, the meaning was changed. The Catholic Church used a term propaganda. That had nothing to do really with how it is today. But during Edward Bernays' time, he was proud of the term propaganda because he really said that the smartest people were behind the scenes, and he himself was one of them. And they could manipulate whole countries of, you know, nations of people uh, by deceit, basically, by very clever, intelligent deceit. And it worked awfully well since he helped to create, for the big corporations who paid him awfully handsomely, uh, to sell their stuff to the general public without telling them anything about the subject, the actual thing being sold. I mean, all advertising today is junk. It's nothing to do with the product. It's fantasies, etc. And he he came out and, and helped to change the old system. If you see old ads, if you ever look at really, really old ads, you'd find that have to, the people would come on TV, for instance, in old blank white TVs, and tell you why you should buy this product. They tell you the material it was made from. The guarantees involved for a car, they tell you about the transmission life and guarantees and all the rest of it. And try to tell you why you should buy this car. Today they show you some virtual reality road somewhere and that car on it. Uh, no other cars on site, of course. And the guy's doing about 100 mile an hour, distant smelling and enjoying himself with a blonde bimbo on his arm. And that's your fantasy. The product itself, you have no idea what the transmission is like. You have no idea the fuel economy. You have no idea anything. Uh, and that's what, they, that's what they sell you today, you see. That's real, real uh, public relations and marketing. And I've got to laugh to advertising. For all the young guys, you understand that there are people down through centuries who have run the money system and the booze industry. They always make sure they get a monopoly in the booze and get licensed from the government, keep everybody else out. And it's a fine art, too. And they sell, they sell, you see all, every ad they used to have on TV. I never watch TV, so I don't know if they still use this kind of advertising. I'm sure they do, 
Because remember what Bernays said too, you always try you condition them when they're very young to buy your product, and they'll generally buy it your whole the whole life long if you put, give them enough fantasy and illusion. And booze ads, especially beer ads and so on, is a they sell you beer for you know for the guys, the guys yeah, you know you know what I mean, eh? the guys eh? That's how Canadians talk, you see. Uh, at least that's the audience they project themselves to because they copy that kind of terminology and the way they say things. And uh, you see the young guys, you know, and uh, here they are and they get their paycheck and uh, you're going to party tonight, then, eh? Yep. So they go off partying tonight and uh, they get a big crate of booze with this beer and you see them next to a lake somewhere and a pier or whatever, sitting there and having a good time. And in the middle of nowhere, of course, and suddenly a bus pulls up and all these young females in bikinis jump out over the place. I don't know where they film this. Don't worry, they, they must spray the area like because I only see those girls in bikinis with a deer fly and bugs where I live. I'm telling you, it wouldn't happen. They'd be, they'd be dancing all right, but it wouldn't be because they, they're enjoying themselves. And but anyway, they turn up and the guys in the beer oh, they're just, they're just right to these guys with the beer, you know, just they can't help themselves. Utter rubbish. Sex, sex sells, doesn't it? Doesn't it sell? But um. The booze industry is one of the most uh, sought-after industries, and it's been that for generations and centuries, actually, by, as I say, the money boys who also run the booze industry and monopolize it all and embed it with government so that they get total monopolies, and they're the ones that get the licenses for to create the... But really, it's a cheap... Alcohol is one of the most cheapest things to make on the planet, and it's ancient, folks. So-called primitive tribes across the planet make their own forms of booze. And it's always made out of scraps and leftovers and things like that. I mean, there's nothing to it. Given fancy names and and uh, and, and charged, they charge an awful lot of money for that bottle of booze. Yeah. But anyway, there's nothing in their advertising that's real. As I say, nothing. Absolutely zilch. Again, good public relations. And sell them a fantasy, and they, they, they're going, you know, oh, yeah, it's, I, I, hey, many years ago I bought, I bought some beer, and I sat, and no, no buses turned up with bikini clad girls in it at all. None of them. Didn't happen. Didn't happen at all. Can you sue them for false advertising? Shouldn't they guarantee you're going to get these women in that bus pulling up as soon as you open that, that can? No, they won't do that, folks. Hmm. Nope, it's, uh, you know, buyer beware and all that. Everything is put out for you to grab and sold through popular computers or some fancy magazine or whatever it happens to be is advertising on behalf of the masters of the world, you see. The guys who own you all. Of the benefits it's going to give you. It's always a lie, folks. And folk never think past a lie. They think, oh, that sounds nice. I'll take that. And years ago, they talked about uh, eventually putting microchips and drugs and things, medications, uh, to make sure that you were taking them on time and to, to, to judge the quantity in your bloodstream to see if it was a good dose or not. All that nonsense, folks. Because eh? they really care about you. They care about you. Same, same folks have the same shares in, in the military-industrial complex as is, is the, the big pharma industries. Everything's about control. Never forget that for a second. Control. Control. We'll give you comp- just your personal computer. It will be private. Ha, ha, ha. Like they hadn't figured out the schmucks will all jump on it. Just say private. 
personal. <gasps> yep. You've got all your data on it and they grab it all the time. By law. Well, naturally, since they are the law at the top. They make all laws. Anyway, or they tell their boys beneath them to get these laws passed and make it legal. This article is about a microchip, and which is now getting beta tested uh, on women. And it's to do with the birth control, it says. Well, there's control for you folks. And I'm sure they'll sell it all. I've never seen any ads for it or root them up or anything. I'm sure it'll be the same kind of thing. Oh, it's so convenient. It's for you. We care about you. Bill Gates' temporary sterilization microchip and beta female testing by the end of the year, it says. Now, Bill Gates, again, the big philanthropist, as you well know. Remember, too, that going back is, oh, there's that awful word. I hate using it because folk make, apparently these guys are responsible for the whole planet and for since the days of the Anunnaki and the, the Nephilim and all that stuff to the present time. But the Illuminati, the real Illuminati that broke out at least uh, in one place and spread a little bit during its time with Adam Weishaupt, of course. But anyway, he did say in his writings that they would create uh, they, they, they control all markets, stock markets, and everything. but they also create uh, philanthropic foundations and run the world like a parallel government. We have that with all the foundations that fund all the NGOs and the guys that protest and demand what the big boys want them to demand. And it's quite astonishing to see it all there. Bill Gates is a philanthropist, just like they said, Adam Weishaupt said. And I read an article a couple of years ago on the air, in fact, about, it's from the Royal Institute of International Affairs and Council of Foreign Relations, talking about it's time to bring on board and give them more of a say in the running of the world. And it was, it was about giving the philanthropists, the top ones, the right to make decisions and, and, and make big moves that affect everyone. Because they're naturally intelligent and they've got their best interests at heart. So... Here's Bill Gates, who's into all kinds of tinkering with the, with the human genomes and everything else. This is earlier this week I wrote about a deal reached that will soon be pumping out medical microchip implants. This is meet the new face of medicine that polygamously marries big pharma, biotech, nanotech, and wireless remote technology. Maybe hooking oneself into the Internet of Things will be an additional app. Although this sounds like a passive form of medicine where someone else gets to call the shot, so to speak. The same developers who are bringing the wirelessly remotely controlled microchipped implants are actually focusing on their first flagship products. Gates Foundation funded birth control microchip implants. This is wireless technology allows the remotely controlled chip to turn a woman's ability to conceive off or on at will. Temporary sterilization. Of course, with remote technology funded by eugenics depopulation uh, fanatics, the first questions should always be the ability to conceive by those whose will. This is, this would be the complete antithesis of female empowerment or women's right to choose, would it not? The encryption is alleged to be so safe that cyber hackers cannot break entry. That means you too. Imagine if they could break into it, eh? It'd make you ultra-fertile or something. Oh, they could really get you then. 
It says, the chip can be implanted into the hip, arms, or beneath the back. Mum was the word during the last few years of development until it was finally publicly confirmed that the beta testing for the birth control chip would be starting towards the end of this year. Indeed, human volunteers will be sought for real-life chip testing. They'll make it cool to have one, you see. Make it trendy, and they'll all run to do it. This is the birth control chip is the brainchild of our professor, Robert Langer, from Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Bill Gates and Melinda Foundation has funded the research, and the prototype is ready for human testing. The chips will be ready for sale by the year 2018, according to Robert Langer. The Institute's Chip Foundation and the Bill Gates Foundation have been working on the birth control chip for the past three years. The size of the chip is 20 millimeters by 20 millimeters by 7 millimeters. The reservoirs of hormones would be stored on a microchip of 1.5 centimeters. The chip's data would always be encrypted so that other so-called cyber criminals or hackers cannot access information contained in the chip or misuse or alter or destroy it. The release of hormones will be done by melting a part of solid hormonal stock using a small electric shock which won't be noticed by the human. The safety test would begin by the end of the year 2015 and Robert Langer is confident the chips will hit market sometime in 2018. As usual, the main target for the testing phase of the chips are women in third world countries. They always do that, folks, eh? Since that means African and Indian women will be human guinea pigs subject to more of Gates' destructive horrors, like paralyzing nearly 50,000 Indian children with this polio vaccine test. That's what actually happened. Or death, paralysis in Pakistan, and more paralysis in Africa. But I'm sure they will go back and make sure those women can conceive again, right? No, sure. No one is admitting who is actually in control of the wireless capabilities of the implant that is allegedly impenetrable by hackers. What, who does a woman see to have her ability to conceive turned back on? That would be an important piece of information. Interestingly, this news came right on the, on the heels of New Zealand's academic higher-ups seriously suggesting that temporary sterilization of all young teen girls, at least in New Zealand... Just like Brave New World, eh? Headlines were simply calling it free contraception and recommending the temporary chemical shutting off of young female fertility for society's sake. You know that vague thing called society or your community, you know? No thought whatsoever to looking up uh, to solve the source of the problem, even if it should be looked at so harshly, or to the health of developing teen girls. And just like Gates moves in India, no real thoughts go to solving issues of impoverishment, which historically leads to booming birth rates and medical birth issues. Why better people's lives when there is so much control in remotely and wirelessly deciding if a woman can conceive? So it's, uh, it goes on and on and on, but you know, this is eugenics, plain and simple. And this is a beta test, really, for the whole world. Because, remember, depopulation and total population control by your betters way above you, you see. These folk that come out with the special wombs, uh, that they will be deciding who should live and who should die and who should not conceive according to your social status, your genetic status, your hereditary status, and all the other statuses that you have, you see. And they know a lot about you because you prattle about everything about yourself on the internet and on your, your phones and you chat away and you text and all the rest of it. So they know all about you. Very clever, isn't it? But again, the guys at the top are not stupid, folks. They're cunning, though. 
They can be stupid in a lot of different ways. Psychopaths are, or, can, or can be awfully stupid. You can meet psychopaths who have below average intelligence, who are multi-billionaires, because of a streak of incredible cunning for certain areas, you see. And they have a natural, it's not just intuitiveness, they know how other people think. They don't feel it themselves, but they know how emotions and so on work on you. Yeah. But they don't have to be terribly bright, you see. They can be coarse brutes, in fact, and often are. But we live in a world of deception. And again, like that George Carlin said in his particular uh, little clip, I'll put up this link, I'll put all these articles up tonight, in fact. But he talked about uh, the big club. It's a big club, and you ain't in it, you see. That's what runs the world. But they train you to be naive and silly and, you know, Trusting, and yep. And it works awfully, awfully well. But I've been saying that my whole life long. Now remember, folks, you can go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You can go into the archive section. You'll see thousands of talks I've given over many years and download them for free. Remember, too, if you want to, you can help me out by throwing a few pennies my way. And it's all on the site how to do it. And you see all the other sites I've got there too. They're all listed on cuttingthroughthematrix.com. In case one of them goes down, you can always try another one. And remember too, you can buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And you can uh, donate as well if you want to. It helps me take along and buy more uh, refurbished parts from my vehicle, etc. As you well know, I'm not, that, I'm not a stinking rich uh, sod who's out to make a career out of what's called the Patriot Movement. Anyway, from Hamish Marcella from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>